0: Good morning. Good morning. Let me tell you, I have been just so thrilled just to see what God's been doing in our church. And, you know, we just wrapped up our simple series talking about how we needed to clarify loving God, loving people, and serving the world. And now we're going to kick off a new series today called Time. And as I was praying about the series, and what all I was going to teach as directed by the Lord, I was, you know, I, I was going one way and then all of a sudden I just felt just God just put the brakes on what I was doing and felt like I really needed to pursue this. So this morning we're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about fear versus fear. If you're taking notes, that's the title of my message, Fear Versus Fear. And you can follow along in version. Don't forget about that. Uh, if you would like to do that on, um, on your smartphone or uh, your iPad or whatever the case may be. We have working internet in here that is extremely fast and powerful. You will have to re-enter your password and redo the network because we changed the whole thing. If uh, you're depending on that old signal, it won't work. You need to go ahead and redo that. So you can do that. also... We're starting something new where you can actually uh, join in the conversation on Twitter. So if you want to join in on the conversation, the hashtag is going to be up. It's uh, WOG time, W-O-G time. If you want to start a conversation, that'd be a great way to get to know some folks in church, a great way to also be able to share things that maybe uh, stood out to you or something God shared with you about this message today because, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on in our world. We've got this whole Mayan calendar thing, you know, the world coming to the end, 12 Twelve twenty one twelve. the world is talking more and more about uh you know the end we hear terms thrown around like apocalypse or you know doomsday armageddon you know and those things strike fear into our hearts because mainly those things are beyond our realm of control so how do we deal with that how do we deal with things that are beyond the realm of our control you know how do we deal with fear should we fear because today we're going to talk about what the bible says about fear So let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for all these people that have come out to gather together in your house to worship you and to sing your praises. And God, to hear your word, to hear your truth shared. And Father, I pray that our ears and our hearts will be ready to hear it and receive it and to take it and do something with it. Let it inspire us, encourage us, motivate us, challenge us to do what it is that You intend for this word to do in the hearts and the lives of your people. Let me speak it today with power, with anointing authority, clarity, Father, so it can be heard by the hearer's Father, and so we can take it and be doers of your word this day. Let it change lives. Let it change us as we go out and we love on others and see others' lives change for your kingdom, for your glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to write this down. Fear is a response to things beyond our control. That's what fear really is because here's the deal. When we see or experience things that are beyond our realm of control, we'll respond out of fear because I can't fix this or I can't uh, have control over this thing happening. You know, whether that be that thing that that person said to you or did to you, whether that be that situation at work where you had no control over what happened or the shifts or the changes that were made and now all of a sudden you're freaking out and and you're completely gripped by fear because it's something that happened that was beyond your control. We see things in the news that happen that grieve us, that hurt us, that make us want to respond out of fear because we can't do anything about that so far as controlling the situation. We can't control or manipulate people in our lives to try to get them to do what we want them to do. Matter of fact, a lot of times when we do try our best to manipulate people and make them do what we want them to do, the reason we're doing it is out of our wounds, is out of of our fear. Our fear of being hurt, our fear of being, uh, you know, hurt again, because we've already experienced that, and I'm not going to go back there, and I'm not going to re-experience that again. And so therefore, I put up these walls, and I become maybe very unsociable, or I become very scared of change. Anytime something new is introduced in my life, I immediately reject it. Why do I do these things out of fear? Because I can't control it, and I can't answer the question, what if? I can't go, well, well, what if this, what if this, and what if that? There's too many what ifs, there's too many question marks, and I just can't do it. And folks, let me tell you, fear will keep us from trusting God because fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith, and, and, and the thing is, is that faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, for us to please God, that means we have to trust in someone and in something that is beyond the realm of our control. And if we don't, we live our entire lives trying to regain that control, and we do so out of fear. First man on the moon and first cousin, Neil Armstrong, says, <laughs> and my other cousin, Louie. <clears throat> he said, fear is not an unknown emotion to us. Franklin D. Roosevelt said, so let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Jedi Master Yoda said, Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are afraid, they're, they're, they're afraid of change. They're afraid of the end of the world. They're afraid of turning on the television or reading the newspaper for what they may see. They're afraid of maybe their spouse. Afraid of other people's opinions. Maybe even ultimately afraid of God. So what does the Bible say about all these things? What does the Bible say how we should address fear? If you've got your Bible this morning or if you're following along on the app, uh, go to Matthew chapter 24. And let's see what Jesus had to say about some of these things. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and they said, Tell us, when, when are all these things going to happen, Jesus? When are all these things going to be? And what's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that nobody deceives you, for many are going to come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations are going to rise against nation, and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. and You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. They'll betray one another. They'll hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But the one that endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Jesus was describing wars, and rumors of wars. He was describing, you know, pestilences, famines, earthquakes, bad stuff. Things that would strike fear into our hearts. Things that would make us scared because just reading that and Jesus, the Son of God, saying these things are coming down the pipe, you're going to go, oh man, bad stuff is coming. And the natural tendency is that because those things are beyond our control, we want to react out of fear. We want to go you know, dig a big bunker and hide and we want to get all of our supplies and and just live down there and never go see anyone, never talk to anyone, and never come out and see the light of day because out of fear of what may happen. Because I know these things are coming. I'm hearing all these things and they strike fear into my heart and I react out of that fear. But Jesus said, listen, even though these things are coming, He was telling, listen, you guys are going to be hated for my name's sake. He said, you guys are going to be persecuted. He's telling his disciples, you guys are are going to be, you know, some of you are going to be crucified the same way that that I was. You know, some of you guys are are going to be, you know, beaten, and, and you're going to be chased around, and people are going to hate you, all because of me. But listen, even though you know these things are coming, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled by these things. Oh, thanks, Jesus. I appreciate the kind words. Why? Could Jesus say that with confidence and tell his people, tell his disciples, those who trusted him completely, these things are coming, but don't be afraid. Because they knew that if Jesus said it, that no matter how bad it got or how bad it was, that it wasn't the end, even at death. That it wasn't over. And it could give them a peace and a confidence to trust in God to be able to do what he had called them to do. But here's the thing. Even though that fear would cause us to uh, react to something that is beyond our control, the main guise of fear, the main tactic of fear that the enemy wants to use in you and me today is to immobilize us. That's what fear will do. Fear will immobilize you. Fear will get you stuck. It will get you completely stuck right where you're at, and you'll never move beyond a certain situation or a certain word that someone said or something that someone did or maybe even something that you know that's coming or may happen. And we become very afraid. And we get stuck. We get paralyzed. We get the deer, the deer in the headlights look. Because that's what the enemy tries to, die. He tries to do. He tries to use fear to immobilize us. To keep us from moving forward. To get us stuck in a rut. Because we're really afraid of things that we cannot control. We fall into the trap of fear. And we live depressed. Trying to win others' approval. Or because we're afraid of rejection, you know, we live in fear of our boss or our spouse or even our own emotions. We're afraid to deal with our own emotions, the the stuff that's going on in our lives. We're afraid to deal with it because if I get it out there in the open and I I try to get help or I try to talk some things through or I try to find reconciliation or healing through whatever thing I'm dealing with, if if I just push it under, if I just ignore it, if, if I just get away as far away as I can from it, If I can distract myself enough from it, then maybe I don't have to deal with it. And it immobilizes us. It keeps us stuck right there and we never grow past that thing or that event. I remember when I was a kid, my uh, buddy on my baseball team, I think I was like nine or ten years old, he invited me to go on this camp, uh, this little three-day Bible camp with him. And I said, yeah, because he was my buddy. I felt, you know, kind of pressured to go. I didn't really want to go, but I kind of felt pressured to. And I said, when are we leaving? And he said, tonight. Oh, okay. Well, let me go ask my mom. (laughs) Hey, mom, can I go to camp with Willie? Can I go with him? Because uh, he's leaving tonight. It's three days. And uh, okay, great. Well, I didn't know where we were going. I'm just a kid. You know, I'm just, you know, nine, 10 years old. Well, I was living in Louisiana at the time. We were going all the way to the other side of Mississippi. I didn't know that. We got in the car. I'm like, all right. I went and packed my bags real quick. Mom said I could go to camp, this three-day camp with Willie. I get in the car. I said, where are we going? Mississippi. What? And I remember being in that van with Willie and his family. And I had this knot in the pit of my stomach because I was a guy that liked to be home. I was a homebody. I was not a kid that liked to venture outside of the comfort of my own home. And I remember I would go into the bathroom once we got to the camp, and I would just cry because I wanted to go home so bad. But I didn't want him to see that I was crying, that I was scared, because I didn't know anybody. Because once Willie got to camp, he went and played with all of his friends, and there I was all alone. And there were hundreds of kids at this camp, and I was just... And and so what I began to do, as a coping mechanism, I began to try to distract myself from that anger, or, or from that frustration, from that fear, from that sadness, whatever the case may have been. And I began to try to distract myself because I knew that if I was doing something, then I wouldn't have to think about the fact that I was really far away from my mama. Don't even act like you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I began to stay busy, and I noticed... I still remember that feeling, man, When even 9, 10 years old. I remember that feeling of when like, a, a sporting event would happen. They would have you know, softball game scheduled. I would go out there. I love to play baseball and softball. And, and I was out there playing, and when the game was over and all the kids would disperse, I'd get that feeling again. And so it registered with me at 9, 10 years old that if I would go and get myself busy and, 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 and get myself involved in something, I wouldn't have to deal with those emotions. And, you know, folks, that's, we kind of do the same thing today. Instead of dealing with these things or trying to grow beyond... The things that are uncomfortable in our lives, we get stuck and we try to distract ourselves. We come home and we immediately turn on the television instead of trying to talk to our spouse, even though there's a lot of tension there in our marriage in our relationship. Or we may try to hang out with our friends or, you know, get involved in a project and stay really busy or work late hours so we don't have to deal with that situation with our child. We get really busy, but we're afraid So we're so scared, but if if, if I can just distract myself, then I won't have to deal with the emotion. I won't have to deal with that thing that's not, I won't have to deal with the finances. I'll tell you what, you know what? I know we're broke, and and, and I know that we're getting, you know, collection calls, and I know that we, you know, things just aren't looking good for us, but let's go out to eat to make ourselves feel better. And let's put it on the credit card, right? And the reason that people do things like that is because we don't want to deal with the emotion, We don't want to deal with that fear of what if. We don't want to make those steps forward to admitting that we may need help or that we are in the wrong and that we need to fix something in our lives. And so fear will capture us, captivate us, and keep us there, immobilized. And all the meanwhile, we're really not dealing with the source of what's really going on in our lives and in our heart. We get stuck. We get paralyzed. We, and, and the other thing we do is that we'll try to create our own sense of comfort and security by surrounding ourselves with things that we feel like we can control. So we'll surround ourselves with, with, with people even that we feel that we can somehow control because what we do is we project that fear out onto them you know, by, by, by keeping them close within the realm and with the reins of our control. And we surround ourselves with people and things that we can deal with and we can control we reject change we reject anything different from maybe our normal routine or our normal habits because I'm, i'm afraid whoa 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 and we don't want to deal with it or we don't want to step into something new or something that's a change in our life because of fear because that fear has been so rooted deeply in our hearts those wounds of the past maybe that situation that was you know or somebody said something to you and you're not going to allow yourself to get close to people anymore or, or certain individuals or maybe something happened and I'm just not going to get close to anybody or let them really get close to me because of the wounds, because of the fear of being wounded again. And so we just live in that miserable state, you know, that situation maybe with your family that you're trying to avoid. Holidays are coming up and some of you are going to be thrown right in the middle of it. Maybe words haven't been shared in a long time or maybe when they are shared, they're fake and they're not real because there's really some underlying things that you haven't dealt with. There's some bitterness, there's some unforgiveness. Maybe you tried something one time and you failed and it didn't go the way you thought it would and because of that failed attempt, you're never gonna try again because you're scared if you mess up again. Can I really trust God? Can I really trust that he told me to do this or that he wants me to do, go this direction with my life with my family, is can I really trust Him? Because last time I thought I was hearing from God and I stepped out in faith and things didn't work out the way I thought they would. Or we had a lot of people agreeing and praying for this certain situation and it didn't work out like we thought it should have worked out. God didn't do for us what we thought He was going to do. And we had some of the most spiritual people you could ever know praying. And, and, and it didn't work out the way that we wanted it to work out. What do you do? What do you do when, when the next time something comes up and it's time to stand in faith, trust in God? Well, we'll pray about it, but really we're just going to try to fix it all on our own and control it. But we'll pray about it. We, we, we treat prayer and we treat trusting in God like it's our last resort, like it's the fail safe, you know. Well, I've done everything else I know to do, so I guess we could pray. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know you remember last time we prayed yeah I know we laugh at that but at the same time these are real things that we deal with real things that the enemy wants to try to shake our trust in God wants to try to take the rug out from underneath us and make us feel like we're you know on shaky ground with God and that he's really not who he says he is and he really doesn't do what he says he's going to do unless he really likes you Unless you've made enough brownie points with God to where you can kind of cash in on it at any given time. See, folks, that's not how it works. It's faith and trust in God. Even in the face of fear, even in the face of uncertainty, even when things didn't work out the way I wanted them to. I said even when things don't work out the way I wanted them to. We have to trust that God is good. Even in the face of tragedy even in the face of fear that would be screaming at you, making you want to just run and hide, that would make you want to make drastic decisions, never, ever, 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 look at somebody and say never. Look at them again and say never. Listen to me, never make drastic decisions in your life based off of emotion. Because when you're walking in fear, your emotions are peaked. And when you make decisions based off of simply how you feel at the moment, you will make bad decisions. It's that new car you couldn't afford. It's that house that you got all wrapped up in and, oh, I want this house. And you go and bite off more than you can chew. And a few years later, all of a sudden you're being visited by the bank saying, I want my house back because you can't afford it. See, these things happen because we make decisions based off of emotions being in the moment. And let me tell you, when fear is at at the reins and we are afraid and our emotions are high and we don't know what's going to happen, a lot of times we'll try to run to something we control or something that will make us feel better. We'll go run up the credit card bill or we'll go out and try to, you know, just if I can just get drunk and then I I won't have to think about it. So I'm just going to go drink all I can and just so, because it makes me feel good when I'm out hanging out with my friends. Instead of taking responsibility for what we need to take responsibility for and moving forward and trusting and being a man of faith, I want to go out and try to escape. I want to go out and just try to get my mind off of it instead of deal with it because the fear has captured me so much. Because I've gotten to the point to where I'm not really <laughs> trusting God. I'm just trying to get away from this feeling in the pit of my stomach. Folks, let me tell you, I, I understand that pain, that, that fear in the pit of your stomach. I, I understand. I remember that when my wife and I lived in Texas. There were a lot of times where we struggled financially. That we were very afraid of what was going to happen. Or what wasn't going to happen. And what we could do and what we couldn't do. And I fully well understand. I don't care if you're, you're, you're millions of dollars in debt. Or if you've just got a small debt that you're dealing with. If it's something that's gnawing at you. And it's something that you're dealing with. Folks the emotion is still the same. It's that hopeless feeling. That feeling of maybe I should just run away from the situation. Maybe if I got out of this marriage. Maybe if I just ran away from this job. Maybe if I just got out of this situation or that situation. And we try to run away from it because we're afraid. Or we just want to throw our hands up when it comes to trusting God. Oh, God, I just, I, I, I just, it's, this isn't for me. This isn't working out, God. This church thing isn't working out. This Christianity stuff, it just isn't working out. Sorry, God, it's just, I, I just throw my hands up in the air and I just... Sorry, God, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to something that makes me feel a little bit more secure. And we lose our faith and our trust in God simply because of fear. But here's the thing. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. 1 John 4 and 18 says that. It says that perfect love casts out fear. And the Bible also says that God is love. It's not something he does, it's who he is. Love is God's DNA, it is who he is, it is his character, it is his nature, God is love. So therefore, God is perfect, God is love, then God, perfect love, casts out all fear. God casts out fear. So where God is, fear fear can't hang out where that perfect love is because it casts it out. God is that love in perfection. So let me show you another scripture here that I want to talk to you about this morning. Proverbs in the ninth chapter. Proverbs the ninth chapter and the 10th verse says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wait, wait a minute. Hold it. Wait. Just a minute, Pastor Derek. You just said God is love, love is perfect, and perfect love casts out all fear. Now you're telling us we should fear God? This doesn't make any sense if perfect love casts out all fear. And if you would just read that, that may bring you a little bit of confusion because you go, wait a minute, wait a minute perfect love casts out all fear, but then fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, I guess I don't want any wisdom because <laughs> I don't want to be afraid. Wait a minute. What is he saying there? If perfect love, God, who he is, casts out all fear, but yet he wants us to fear him. It's the beginning of wisdom. You know, when I was a kid, um, my mom had these cassette tapes for my sister and I, and they were called Dan and Louie. And it was a man that would tell Bible stories, uh, and Louis was his, his, you know, sidekick. He was a puppet, is so what he was. And they would go on adventures to the Bible storybook castle. And when they would go on these adventures, they would talk about, you know, these different Bible stories, but they would insert themselves in the stories, you know, like, oh, look, there's David right there. Oh my, that's Goliath. Wow. You know, and they're talking to each other like they would, you know, time travel and go back to these situations and, and they would interact with the characters and they would actually talk to, you know, Moses or they would talk to, you know, Jonah or whatever the case may have been. And they would, in a very animated way, tell these Bible stories. And as a kid, I used to listen to these every night before I'd go to bed. And let me tell you, when God would speak on those tapes, it would freak me out. Because the scary music started playing when God would speak. He would go, and God would sound something like this.
1: Moses.
0: I would get up with my wet pajamas and go hit the stop button and change them and sleep on the floor the rest of the night hoping God didn't talk to me. used to freak me out as a kid, man. I mean, it would just scare me. Golly, the the voice of God was, so is is that what we're talking about? Is God supposed to scare us? Is he some big scary person, this big scary one that would want us just to be afraid of him. And because you're on the floor, you can start to be wise because that's where it starts. Is that what he's talking about? Because perfect love casts out fear. But here's the thing. We have to understand what is being said here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want us to understand a few things here that You've probably heard this said before that to fear God doesn't mean literally to be scared or, you know, shaking in your boots about, you know, is God behind the door and he's going to smack me because he knows what I did last night and, uh, you know, he knows what I was really thinking in that conversation and wham, you know, as soon as I walk by I just, oh, oh, thanks God, you know, and I'm afraid. He's like, no, 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 no. What does that mean? To fear the Lord doesn't mean that God is scary. To fear the Lord Also, does it mean that God just wants you to just respect him either? Because sometimes I think that that can not be as powerful of a statement when we just say it simply means respect. I think there's a little bit more to it than that. And so I began to pray about this. Years ago, I was asking God, you know, what does this mean? Because I want to understand this because I want wisdom. Because I can't even start to be wise until I understand what the fear of the Lord is. And the Lord just gave me this definition just so clearly in my heart. And it's just, been, it's just become part of who I am. That to fear the Lord means this, in the simplest terms, that I can understand. And that is to take God seriously. That's what fearing the Lord means. Taking God seriously. That means when he says something, he means it. That means if it's in his word, he means it. That means that if he says that this is how we're supposed to live our lives and, and this is the things, the values that we're supposed to have, then that's what he means. He's serious. He's not joking around. He's not going, oh, you, yeah, you goofball. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. No, he's serious. He said, no, I'm serious when I say these things. These are the type of qualities you should be emulating if you're a follower of Christ. You know, If you're not, you check your heart. I want you to love me more so you can understand my love for you and my mercy for you so you can grow in these things. Not so you can get stuck and just do whatever you want. I, 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 this is for your benefit because we have a saying around here at Word of Grace that we've been saying for almost a year. And that is that what God has in store for you is better than whatever you could ever think or imagine. What God has in store for you is not to limit you or to hold you back or to somehow put a ceiling on you know your fun It's to actually direct our steps in a way that would not only please him, but would actually benefit us. That's why he tells us these things in his word. And the closer we get to him, the more we know him, his character, we begin to understand these things. We begin to live these things in our lives because we've been enabled to do that because the greater one lives in us. It's Jesus on the inside of me. And he's working on this stuff on the outside. But I take him seriously. I take him seriously. I take him at his word that he means what he says. Now, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what is wisdom? If you look that word up, the word wisdom is literally translated in that verse as the correct application of knowledge. So wisdom is correctly applying the things that I know. Correctly applying. Did you catch that word? Correctly applying that's what wisdom is. It's the correct application of what I know. That's why that just knowing a lot of things isn't good enough. That's why just knowing a lot of things isn't going to get us saved or get us into heaven. It's not just about a bunch of head knowledge that, oh, I'm so smart, and I can quote the Bible frontwards and backwards in Hebrew and Greek and, and Dutch, and, and, and I, can, I can speak, the you know, and I know all the scriptures, all these wonderful things. It's not just about that. It's about applying it, but not just applying it. No, it's correctly applying it. When I've understood what it means to correctly apply the things that I know, it then becomes wisdom. That's why we see that, you know, people who have been through a few things and have learned a few lessons, they've learned how to correctly apply wisdom. They've learned how to correctly apply through those things that they've been through or things that they've learned. Correct application. That's what wisdom is. So here's the thing that we need to get. Until we begin to take God seriously, we cannot even begin to correctly apply all the things that we know because we're just playing a game. We just think it's just a game. We think it's just, oh, well, maybe if God likes me, or maybe he'll do this, or maybe he won't. Sometimes he does, you know, sometimes he doesn't. Let's flip a coin, 50 50, pull the slot machine. Is it God? Is it not? Let me tell you, folks, if it's in his word, and if we take him seriously, He is not a man that he would lie, but he's faithful to fulfill his word. His promises are yes and amen, right? Uh, That's what my Bible tells me, so I need to stand on the promises of God. I need to trust in him regardless of what fear would be trying to say, regardless of what the circumstance would be trying to say, regardless of what anyone else would be trying to do to me or say about me. I need to take the position of I'm going to trust God because I take him seriously. And then once we take him seriously, we can begin to correctly apply all these things that we know. All these things that we've heard. Oh, I've heard it all before, Pastor. I've heard this and I've heard this. Yeah, but are you correctly applying it? Are you taking God seriously? Or is it just something that's in your head? Something that's just in your memory banks. And you can just pull it up because you know the right thing to say in the right situation. Someone says, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly in highly favor of the Lord. Too blessed to be stressed. Above and not beneath the head and not the tail. Oh, those are wonderful things to say. But if you don't take God seriously, do you really understand what you're saying? Do you really understand that how you need to become that person and how you need to live your life and the things that God wants to do. do. Do you really understand that? Because when you take Him seriously, it puts a different scope on things. puts things in a whole new light. But you can't even start until you take God seriously. That's the beginning of wisdom. I cannot begin to correctly apply the things I know until I take God seriously and trust Him. And that's what it means, folks, to fear the Lord. And we have to trust that God is bigger. We have to trust that God is bigger than whatever tactic that the enemy may be using against you to terrorize you, to immobilize you. Because here's the thing about trusting God, trusting that he's bigger, is that there's peace in trust. Man, there is peace in trust. Isn't there just a peace? That comes along with delegating something to someone that you trust and you know always follows through. Don't you know that if you say, "Hey, would you go take care of this for me?" and it may be a very important thing, you don't have to worry about it because you know that person and you trust them. It's taken care of. It's as good as done. If I ask this person to do it, I trust them a hundred percent. And you have peace. In that. You're not worrying around, going, "Are they going to do it? Are they?" Oh man, I'm going to have to check on that because, boy, I tell you. I... You have a peace because you trust. Folks, let me tell you, we have to trust and take seriously the fact that God is bigger than whatever tactic the enemy may be trying to use to terrorize you and immobilize you. There is peace in understanding the goodness of God. Yeah, pastor, I know there's peace in understanding the goodness of God, but sometimes, you know, sometimes, uh, you, you know, this happens, or, 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 or what if I, I do this, or what if this happens, and what if that, or, you know, I, I could have done this, or, or I, I, I should have done this, and, and I'm scared, and I don't know what if. I hear what you're saying, but, but I don't get it. I, 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 listen to me, folks. We've got to let go of our desire to control We've got to let go of our desire to control, and we have to trust God. Even in death, the enemy does not win. I'm going to say that again. I said, even in death, the enemy does not win. The enemy doesn't win. So his tactic, though, is to try to terrorize us, to cause us to be afraid and to be full of terror, worrying what if I coulda, shoulda, I didn't. And then I began to feel all of these emotions. And then I begin to act and react out of these emotions. But I need to dial back. I need to reel back in and go, okay, God, death is not the end. Even the worst thing that you and I could imagine, death is not the end. 1 Corinthians 15 and 55 says that death where is your sting grave where is your victory death has no sting grave has no victory why because of jesus christ that's why because when the greater one lives on the inside of me i don't have to live in fear of what might happen to me i don't have to worry about what might happen to my loved ones even though it's hard and 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 we miss people when they're gone and but to live in fear all the time of losing or to live in fear of the what ifs all the time. Folks, let me tell you, that's not trusting God. That's living life in a very miserable way, even when tragedy does strike, even when it strikes at our very core and it shakes us and it grieves us. Let me tell you, we still need to stand strong and trust in the unchanging hand of God amen somebody we need to trust that god is bigger that he's bigger because he is he is bigger because because of god because of what jesus christ did death has lost its sting grave has lost its victory so what are you going to try to do to terrorize me devil You, you yes these things here are temporary we live with the very now mindset instead of a kingdom mindset. If we understood the goodness of God and His kingdom and the vastness of His kingdom, we would be able to trust in any given circumstance and say, you know what, God, I'm grieved, I'm hurt, and I'm scared. But I am going to say this, that I still trust you. I, I'm going to make the decision to trust you. And folks, when you rest in that trust, God begins to blanket you with a peace that passes your understanding. The Bible says it guards your heart and it guards your mind. I know that a lot of us have been watching the news, seeing what's going on in Connecticut and all over the world, for a matter of fact. These things grieve us and they would have a tendency to want to strike fear into our hearts. Make us question the goodness of God. Make us wonder, is God really good? Yes, He is still good. He does not control the will of people to be able to do senseless things like what was done. And yes, it hurts us and it grieves us, but folks, death has lost its sting. and Grave has lost its victory because of Jesus Christ. And God is bigger. And we grieve because we miss people. And we grieve because of tragedy. And there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is given to comfort us. And that's exactly what he'll do. Help us comfort. And yet yeah, we may never get over the fact that that person is gone. And we may grieve and we may desire to see them. But let me tell you, we can rest in peace. And find joy again. Because death is not the end. I said death is not the end. God is bigger. God is bigger. and because He's bigger, and when I understand that, I can rest in that. And here's what it does. Even in the darkest times and darkest hours of your life that you may ever face, we still win. Because this gives us hope. It gives us hope that tragedy is not the end, that fear of the unknown is not the end. The mistakes you made are not the end. It's not over. 12-21-12 is not the end the Mayans didn't know about leap year it's already happened it's not the end some guy just probably ran out of ink or ran out of room on the calendar he's going well that's a good place to stop and everybody freaks out about things and fear would want to grip our hearts well, folks God is bigger no matter what man may say no, ma- no matter what man may try to do to me The Bible says we shouldn't be afraid of man who can kill the body but not the soul. We shouldn't be afraid of him because what can man do to me? Death has lost its sting. Grave has lost its victory. Sickness has lost its victory. Disease has lost its victory. Tragedy has lost its victory. As long as I am able to say, God, I'm in this big storm right now and I'm hurting really, really bad right now. But you know what? I'm going to make the decision to trust you. That's where peace comes from. It blankets you. It wraps you up. It lets you know that God is present. It's hard. It's tough at times. We have to reassure ourselves that God is good. Because see, the more I know Him, the more I love Him the more I grow in my love for Him and the more we love God, the more I trust Him. The more I trust Him and His Word, the more at peace I walk. Because I know that His peace, it passes my understanding. I know it guards my heart and my mind. And I make the decision that I will not let my life be ruled by fear.
1: So sweet to trust in